Good morning and happy Thanksgiving. Someone wrote this about their Thanksgiving experience. I ate too much turkey, I ate too much corn. I ate too much pudding and pie. I'm stuffed up with muffins and too much stuffing. I'm probably going to die. I piled up my plate and I ate and I ate, but I wish I'd known when to stop. For I'm so crammed with yams, sauces, gravies and jams that my buttons are starting to pop. I'm full of tomatoes and french fried potatoes. My stomach is swollen and sore. But there's still some more dessert, so I guess it won't hurt if I eat just a little more. Well, maybe that captures what's going to happen for you yet today. Uh, for so many people, Thanksgiving is a focus on and the enjoyment of our blessings. For many, Thanksgiving actually has very little to do with the giver of our blessings. True gratitude is not a focus on our blessings, but rather it's a focus on the giver of those blessings. So this morning, uh, I'd just like to talk for a few minutes about gratitude, uh, especially gratitude that focuses on the giver rather than the blessings. First of all, I want to say that uh, lack of gratitude darkens the heart. Paul in uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 21, he said, Although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. And then he goes into a long list there of how they went on that downward trend. Paul's very clear. The lack of gratitude towards God leads to a darkened heart. Lack of gratitude leads you into a downward spiral. The darkened heart, he says, thinks that it's wise. Yet in reality, it's descending downward into foolishness. He goes on and he describes how the darkened heart goes from the lack of gratitude into a focus on its own sinful desires, especially sexual desires. It idolizes the things of this world. It pursues all sorts of wickedness and becomes arrogant and eventually hates God. You cannot have an ungrateful heart and love God at the same time. Because an ungrateful heart is a self-centered heart. Now so many people talk about how our society has become so entitled. People have that sense of entitlement. Me first. Well, entitlement is simply seeing the blessings that we have as my right. We hear lots about rights. Entitlement is the result of a darkened heart. And a darkened heart, Paul says, is the result of the lack of gratitude. And so the best gratitude is not a focus on the blessings, but it's on the giver. Yes, be thankful for the blessings you have. But it's so easy for us to make the blessings our focus. When we do so, we descend into self-centeredness. And so, rather focus your gratitude towards the giver of your blessings. Now, the psalmist understood this. He's so thankful, but as he goes into Psalm 100, a psalm of thanksgiving, which Lindsay read for us, he doesn't once name the things he's thankful for. Listen to him as he speaks. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. 
Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Now the psalmist is not telling us not to list the things we're thankful for. That's a good thing to do. But we're to keep our focus on who gave us those things. Marcus Tullius Cyril, one of the great Roman statesmen before the time of Christ said this, Gratitude is not only the greatest of virtues, but it's the parent of all others. Cicero was right. Gratitude greatly impacts all other areas of your life. Just as Paul said that the lack of gratitude darkens the mind and leads to many sins, gratitude enlightens the mind and leads to virtues. It leads to a better character. In fact, this is so important that God made the giving of gratitude into a law for us. First Thessalonians 5, 16, he said, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And so a grateful person is easily contented. While an ungrateful person is subject to bitterness, discontent, and dis uh, disappointment, the grateful person or the ungrateful person tends to find fault with God and with people. They're always seeing how God has disappointed them and how people have disappointed them. The ungrateful person tends to see the glass as half empty, disappointed and bitter over what they lack. The grateful person tends to see the glass as half full, grateful for what he or she has. The grateful person tends to display humility. I have so much more than I deserve. The ungrateful person tends to display entitlement. I deserve so much more than I have. The grateful person tends to have a full heart, experiencing joy and satisfaction. He has the capacity to see and to enjoy God's blessings. The ungrateful person with the same blessings tend to have an empty heart. Their expectations are not met, and they cannot see the blessings that they do have. Now we see this in Paul. He was in prison, chained to a Roman guard, nothing to his name. And when a gift comes to him from the Philippian church, enough money to provide for his physical needs, and we have to understand that in prison in those days, they didn't look after you. You had to have enough money of your own to buy your own needs, or you had to rely on the charity of others. And Paul's sitting there, and he's run out of money, and suddenly this gift arrives. And so Paul responds to that. He says, I have all, and abound, and I'm full. Now we might say, what? You're chained to a guard. You're in prison. They don't feed you. You have to buy your own food, you're hungry, and you have nowhere to go. And suddenly he sent some money, and he says, I abound, I am full. 
Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. That's what Paul's doing. Wow, God, I've just seen one of your benefits. Today I needed some money. I was hungry. And unexpectedly, suddenly Epaphroditus shows up with money. Months ago, you knew the need that it'd be in today, and you put it into the hearts of some people. You, you set the whole chain of events into motion months ago so that today my need is met. This morning I was hungry. Tonight I get to eat. Thank you, God. What a great God you are. An ungrateful person sees the same circumstance with a different attitude. Look at me, God. I gave you everything. I've faithfully served you. And what did you do to me? You stuck me in this prison chained to a garden. Garden. It's so unfair. And then Epaphroditus shows up today with some money from the Philippians. Why couldn't have they sent more? You know, they're, they're free. They're wealthy. If they had sent more, I could have bought a few more comforts along with the food. But wow, you're out of God. Why don't you just get me out of this stinking prison? You see the difference? Same circumstances. The grateful person sees everything through the perspective of how good God is. The ungrateful person sees everything through this perspective of his own rights and his own expectations through a sense of entitlement. And he sees God, therefore, as lacking. Entitlement robs us of joy. Gratitude fills us with joy. So we're on the path down when we stop giving God the glory and stop being thankful. It's a path that leads us into wickedness. Now you might, you might be sitting there thinking, well, of course that's not me. I'm so grateful. And yet it's so easy for us not to show the gratitude that we should be. I want to look at the story of the ten lepers just to show how easy it is to be on that path and not even realize it. Becoming a leper in Jesus' day was one of the most feared things in their society. Leprosy is caused by slow-growing bacteria, and after you're infected, it usually takes three to five years for you to start showing symptoms, but it can actually take up to about 20 years in some cases. We think of leprosy as a skin disease, but it's actually a nervous system disease. And the first effects is damage to the peripheral nerves, the hands, the feet, face, or even the earlobes, all begin to experience numbness. Gradually the skin and hair will disfigure with patches becoming white, skin will thicken, becoming glossy and scaly. As the disease progresses, limbs and bones will begin to twist, fingers curl up, ears will thicken, the nose may collapse, Tumors may form on the skin and in the respiratory tract. Open ulcers may form that refuse to heal. Because the hands and feet lose their feeling and cannot feel pain, often they injure their hands and feet, creating wounds or burns that refuse to heal. The flesh begins to rot and they smell disgusting. Eventually they will lose fingers and toes, even whole hands and feet and parts of limbs. In some, the optic nerve will deteriorate and they become blind, muscles weaken, the vocal cords are attacked and their voice becomes harsh and raspy. The only way to deal with the disease in their day was to permanently quarantine them from society. They were forced to live outside of the villages and towns. 
They were considered cursed by God and were considered dead. They could come no closer than six feet to a person, and they had to wear a cloth over their, <coughs> excuse me, over their mouths. Anytime they came in close proximity to other people, they had to cry out in loud voices, unclean, unclean. They often lived in groups of lepers in crude shelters or caves, depending on what they could scrounge or what sympathetic people would give them. And so leprosy meant a long, slow, torturous death, often taking up to 30 years. There was nothing more dreaded than leprosy in their day. And so with that in mind, Jesus is traveling one day and ten lepers see him passing by. They have heard the stories of how he's healed the sick, even lepers. And as they see him pass by, hope springs up in their hearts and they begin to cry out in loud voices. And they're used to shouting loudly, unclean, unclean. But today they're shouting something different. Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Have mercy on us. Their condition was pitiful. It couldn't be worse. Their only hope is mercy from this miracle worker. Now, Jesus doesn't touch them like he did so many others. He doesn't tell them that they're healed like he did with so many others. He simply says, go to the priest. Now, under their law, if you had a skin disease, you're automatically quarantined from society. You couldn't re-enter society until you went to the priest and he declared you clean. And so they cry out to him, Jesus, have mercy on us. And he just says, go to the priest. You see, he's requiring them to take a step of faith. Because they're not healed yet. They have to have the faith that by the time they present themselves to the priest, they've been healed. They leave Jesus still with their leprosy. But they had the faith and they run, limp, crawl away to the priest. Their leprosy is still there. <clears throat> now take note of this. All ten of them had the faith that if they went to the priest, by the time they got there, they'd be healed, that Jesus would have healed them. And now we come to the point of why God has this story recorded. As they went, that rotting flesh was restored, perhaps fingers and toes restored, thick, wrinkled, scaly flesh turned healthy and smooth, the stench disappeared, eyesight returned, voice lost the raspiness. All of this was happening as they went to the priest. You can imagine the joy, the excitement. I can imagine them shouting and laughing and dancing. They're having a party as they go. But one man left the party. And as very specific, he was a Samaritan. By implication, the other nine were Jews. The Samaritan left the party and turned back to Jesus. He's still partying. As he ran back, he's shouting for joy. He's still yelling out the praises of God. He's been healed by Jesus and he's going to let everyone know about it. But most specifically, he wanted Jesus to know about it. He wanted to thank Jesus. But even more than that, he wanted to glorify God and he fell down in front of Jesus. He took the position of worship. And Jesus asked, sadly asked, he says, where are the other nine? Why only this foreigner? Those other guys who grew up religious, who claimed they knew God, they should have been the first to come and glorify him. 
And here is this foreigner, this Samaritan, the one who's despised and disdained by the Jews. He's the one that comes back and glorifies Jesus and is grateful. Now, let's not get too hard on the other nine. They were likely very good guys. If we could go back and interview them on that day, they would tell us about the amazing thing that had happened to them, which God had given to them. If you asked them, are you thankful? They would have said, yes, I'm thankful. I'm so grateful. Who wouldn't be delivered from such an awful condition? But here's the point. They were thankful, but they didn't go and give thanks. They didn't go and show gratitude. They saw the priest, and I'm sure next the thing they wanted to do was see their families. Can you imagine kissing your wife for the first time in years? Picking up your children and hugging them, and you haven't been able to do that for years? You know, the Samaritan had all the same desires. But he laid those all aside temporarily to take the time to go back and bow before Jesus and glorify him. The nine who should have didn't. The one who was least expected to did. And we go back to Paul's words, for although they knew God, the other nine knew all about God, but they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. How easily that describes us. Where we can be so thankful for our blessings. And that's where our focus is. But we don't turn that focus from our blessings to actually gratitude towards God, the giver. And the result is always negative in our lives. Paul goes on and says, their thinking became futile, their foolish hearts were darkened. In the story of the lepers, we see how easy it is for us to lose sight of glorifying God and being thankful to him. It's so easy when God blesses us to have thankful hearts and focus on the blessings and never really take time to be grateful to the giver. And we begin to take God for granted when we do that. But there's something else that was going on in the story. It says twice that the lepers as they went were cleansed, used two different words, but they were actually medical words, medical terms, saying that they were healed. But when the leper came back, the Samaritan came back, Jesus, Jesus said to him, rise and go, your faith, your Bible will say, your faith has made you well. The word well there is actually your faith has saved you. It's a spiritual term. This Samaritan had a different faith than the other nine. The nine had the faith to believe that Jesus could heal them. And that's where it ended. But the Samaritan had a deeper faith. He not only had a faith that Jesus could save him from his leprosy, he understood that the implications there, but he also understood the implications of who Jesus was. This is God who can save me. And he came back and he praised and glorified and worshipped Jesus. And the word here, when it says that he thanked Jesus, the word means, I am under obligation to you. And therein lies the difference between being just simply thankful for your blessings and actually being grateful to the giver. Because you can be truly thankful for your blessings and see no obligation 
to the giver. And that's where the other nine were. But the Samaritan not only was thankful for his blessings, but he saw the obligation that he had to the giver. So I want to ask you this morning, which of the lepers are you as you come on this Thanksgiving day? Eugene Peterson said this, Worship is the strategy by which we interrupt our preoccupation with ourselves and attend to the presence of God. Worship is the time and place that we assign for deliberate attentiveness to God. I want to just paraphrase that, change it up. Gratitude is the strategy by which we interrupt our preoccupation with ourselves and attend to the presence of God. Gratitude is the time and place that we assign for deliberate, deliberate attentiveness to God. That's the difference. It's a choice that you can make. Dr. Art Azerta gave these words. He said, as Christians, we sing when we're happy. We sing when we're not happy. When we're not happy, we sing until we are happy. I like that. He's making the point that happiness is a choice. And we can just sing and give praise until our feelings come in line. You know, that applies to gratitude as well. Gratitude is a choice. And when we don't feel grateful, when life is not feeling good, the answer is to give thanks to the giver until you feel that gratitude. Some days that may take a bit of giving thanks. But keep at it until you change. Life is a matter of focus where you choose to put your thoughts. There's that old story. Two men walking through a field one day when they spotted an enraged bull. It was snorting and pawing up big clumps of dirt and in a panic they ran for the nearest fence with the bull hot pursuit behind them. And It soon became apparent that they weren't going to make it. And terrified, the one man yelled to his friend. He said, say a prayer, John. Say it, quick. We're in for it. And John says, I can't. I don't know how to pray. And the other guy says, well, you must. The bull is catching up to us. John says, well, I only know one prayer. The other guy says, well, then pray it. And so John prayed. He says, oh, Lord, for what we're about to receive, make us truly thankful. <laughs> you know, that's a good prayer for all of us. Lord, make us truly thankful. That's the prayer for today. Let's pray. Father, we know that that's just an old story, a joke. But it teaches us in a so important lesson. I pray that within us, that you would humble us. It's so easy in our society to be entitled and think that all the blessings we have are our right. And when we don't get what we think is our rights, we see you as failing us. When in reality, you are so, so good. And I pray that today, that you would really teach us gratefulness, thankfulness. I pray this in Jesus' name.